Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Tonight on Huckabee, founder of the United Hats of Israel, Ellie Beards. Six decades of laughter with Gary Muldeer. Former Massachusetts Senator Scott Brown. Contemporary Christian group, the Catinas. Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Wow, what a great, wonderful audience we have here tonight. I wish you were with them because you'd be having as much fun as they are about to have. And they are about to have some fun. Okay, for the past few years, a common question posed to me is if I believe our country and our civilization will survive. And my answer has always been, sure. I've lived through moments in history when it appeared that all was so far gone but we've recovered. And I've cited the assassinations of JFK and RFK and Dr. Martin Luther King, the violent race riots of the early and mid-60s, and the anti-war protests, the mayhem on college campuses in the late 60s and early 70s, all of which I lived through. I remember the sexual liberation craze of the 60s and 70s, where commitment and marriage were scoffed at in favor of open sexual promiscuity brought on, in part, by easy access to birth control pills and abortion. I watched our cities burn down in riots and lootings. Yeah, I remember the 1968 Democrat convention in Chicago when police and protesters violently clashed. And then there was the May 1970 Kent State killing of four students, nine others wounded by National Guard troops who opened live fire on campus protesters. I witnessed the scandal and ultimate resignation of a president, the Iranian takeover of an embassy and the taking of 52 American hostages held for 444 days by radical Muslims. I've seen oil embargoes. You remember those? They caused long lines at gas stations. I remember seeing interest rates for home mortgages climb to 17 and 18 percent, causing economic upheaval. There have been drug use crises that made it appear that an entire generation would drop out and get doped up. But through it all, there were glimpses of hope, and we experienced an ebb and flow of history that fluctuated between the worst and the best. We saw the Civil Rights Act passed and a landing on the moon, major medical breakthroughs that saved lives, sometimes of our loved ones, and innovations in technology that brought us things like personal computers and ultimately smartphones, and access to the worldwide communication through something called the World Wide Web, commonly known as the Internet, or as George W. Bush used to call it, the interweb. 
But when people ask me now if we're going to be okay, I say soberly, but honestly, I don't know. And the reason is that there is such a sign of incredible depravity that is not only occurring, but it's being approved by those who are well-educated and ought to know better. A new Harvard-Harris poll found that among 18 to 24-year-old Americans, a majority, 51%, think that Hamas's slaughter of 1,300 innocent Israeli civilians was justified. Overall, Americans disagree, 76 to 24%. And those of us over 65, well, we disagree, 91 to 9% which means that while people in my generation are overwhelmingly appalled by the massacre of children, the violent rape of women, and the torturing of elderly, younger Americans actually consider such behavior justified. And worse, much of that attitude prevails on the campuses of what once were the elite institutions of higher education, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Columbia, How is it that in places where we ought to find the smartest people, we are instead seeing the most immoral, least aware, spiritually blind, and intellectually ignorant people? I mean, we've got people appointed to the Supreme Court who can't answer the simple question, what is a woman? It's a simple fear that it might offend those who argue that gender is no longer a scientific or biological reality. It's just whatever we imagine it to be based on nothing more than a whim. There are people in our culture that actually advocate for the chemical castration and surgical mutilation of children who are about as prepared to make such life-altering permanent decisions as they are to be handed a loaded firearm or let them be given the choice of eating vegetables or ice cream for dinner. But the reason for which I lose my optimism most is that in the past, It was a remnant of sane and moral people who never wavered from believing and advocating for biblical truth and the Judeo-Christian norms of simply treating others as one desired to be treated and believing there was a God, that He was involved in our world and we should follow His laws. I now see many younger but very popular pastors who have moral confusion and in an attempt to be relevant and loved, are actually embracing sexual immorality as just a personal choice and who in the name of love have dismissed sin as anything other than just a lifestyle choice. If this trend continues, I can't imagine the patience of God lasting indefinitely. And there may soon come the time when He either lets us collapse into oblivion or He finally says, that's it. It's time for putting this evil generation to rest and maybe just call a halt to people who have destroyed themselves by rebellion. I got to tell you, I hope I'm wrong. I pray for reformation, but I fear for the apocalypse. Well, we're glad you're here for the show. We've got a wonderful show planned, and Keith Bilbrey is about to tell you all about it right now. Well, sure thing, Governor. Founder and president of United Hatzalah, Ellie Beer is here with an update on Israel. Then stick around for a beautiful hymn performed by the Katinas. You're watching Huckabee.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Violence in Israel continues with no end in sight. And United Hatzfalah, a United volunteer-based organization, is providing emergency services for free in the state of Israel. Since its founding, the incredible volunteers of United Hatzalah have arrived on the scene of medical emergencies, often on their now ubiquitous motorcycles, and they get there most of the time within 90 seconds of an emergency. They've saved countless lives throughout the state of Israel. Since the cowardly surprise attack and massacre of over 1,200 innocent Israeli civilians on October 7, these folks have been on the front lines within seconds of the attacks. Our first guest tonight is Eli Beer, the founder and president of United Hatzalah. He joined us earlier to update us, and I want to forewarn you that part of Eli's interview is quite graphic. Here's that conversation. Eli, let's talk about the things that you and your volunteers have seen. There are people denying the barbarian-like conduct of Hamas, but you have witnessed it firsthand. Help us to understand what really happened in those uh, horrible scenes as the people from Gaza and the Hamas terrorists entered into Israel. Well, we saw it in our own eyes. When we came in into very peaceful, little villages, kibbutzim, little cities. Uh, we saw blood everywhere. We saw Jews were slaughtered. And we saw little kids um, that were cut up to pieces. I would never forget the scene of seeing a little babies just laying there on the floor and we were trying to figure out whose head belongs to which child. Mm. This was a situation that we couldn't believe this could happen in Israel in 2023. In a holy, beautiful day on, on Sabbath, this was, this was the worst day of my life. I, I, I deal with life-saving for 35 years. I've been to terrorist attacks. I've been to restaurants blowing up and, 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 and buses blowing up. But if you put all these together, it doesn't even compare to one day, October 7th, of what we saw. And it's, it's impossible to deny it. It happened. It's like saying the Holocaust didn't happen. This happened. There is no way to deny it. Of course, the Hamas are going to try denying us because not only are the murderers, the worst type of murderers, they are the worst type of liars. They're lying to their own people. They're putting their people in danger. They're putting, their, they're putting two million people as hostage for their desire to just kill other people. And this thing happened, we saw it in our own eyes. How does it make you feel when you see people marching in the streets of major cities around the world and saying, but it was justified, it was... It was okay for them to do that because Israel has taken land. I mean, I just can't imagine the emotion that you feel when people say such ridiculous things. This was a real Holocaust. And anyone who goes around marching in any city around the world 
These are neo-Nazis who are mar mar marching to, 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 to march for murder of children, of women, of old men and ladies. Men, they, they murdered Holocaust survivors who are 90 years old. These people who are marching around the world now would be marching in 1939. These same people who are marching now will be marching in 1939. There is no difference. These are Hitler supporters. Anyone who could support these kind of, this kind of massacre is a, is a Hitler supporter. There is no difference. ISIS, Hamas, Nazis, the same exact thing. Different names, same thing. And I say even more, the Nazis, when they were killing the Jews in Europe, the difference between them and Hamas is the Nazis wanted to go back home to their families after they killed the Jews. They wanted to have a normal life. They wanted to have a good life. They wanted to kill all the Jews around the world. But they wanted to have a life. When they realized they're losing, they picked up their hands and they said, we're losing. And they stopped. These guys, they don't want to stop. They want to die. These guys are a combination between Nazis and kamikaze fighters. They want to literally kill people, murder them, not only murder them, torture their bodies, rape them, and they want to die. And I just heard today one of the one of these terrorists, when he called from an Israeli phone, he, called, he killed a woman. He killed an Israeli girl. And he took the phone and he calls his parents in Gaza, screaming to his mother and father, you're not going to believe it. I killed 10 Israelis, can't 10 Jews. And his father says, keep going, keep going. And his mother says, no, come home. And he says to his mother, mom, I was born to kill Jews and die. That's why I was born for. Could you imagine someone saying that to his mother? How could we ever march for these type of people. These people, anyone who's marching to support the Hamas is marching for Hitler. These, these are the people who are marching now. You know, Ellie, I, I cannot even begin to get my arms around the terror that so many people in Israel have experienced. And because it's a small country, I doubt there's a single Israeli who is not personally acquainted with someone either who was murdered are the close family members. So this must be uh, a national trauma, not a regional one, but a national trauma. Your own wife, Giddy, who is a lovely person and has been by your side and a part of the organization, was one of the very first people to go into the scene of the massacre. I'm sure she has had difficulty just processing what she saw in those first moments because your people were there in many cases before even the IDF soldiers got there. All these volunteers, these hero volunteers, were wearing these orange vests, United Hatsala. Hatsala means save, rescue, united. We're all united. My wife, Kitty, my children, we're all medics and paramedics. I ran to the dispatch in Jerusalem to make sure we have coverage of the whole country. We have 7,000 volunteers. These people, men and women, Anytime something happens, a baby is choking, someone's having a heart attack, or God forbid, a bomb attack or a shooting of a missile, they leave their home, they run to save people. They are the real heroes. And Gitti ran to the scene in Shteirot, and she joined an ambulance team of United Hatzalah because everyone was scared to go in. It was too scary. And they ran, Gitti was not scared. Gitti just ran in. I said goodbye to her, I gave her a hug. I said, God bless you. I said, God's with you. Go protect our people. That's what I said. I love my wife. We're married for 30, almost 31 years. We have four grandchildren together. We love our family. But I knew this is time to fight. And she has to go fight for people's lives. She's a paramedic. And I saw the videos of her. 
running into buildings that were under fire. People were still shooting. The terrorists were still going wild. Yeti took patients. She intubated them. She stopped their bleeding. She, she treated 41 victims. And most of the people she treated, she was able to save. Then Giti was driving in the ambulance on the fire, running away from a terrorist shooting, and she sees a car on fire. And she sees people who are dead inside the car. She tells the ambulance driver, stop, and they're under fire. And he says, it's too dangerous, they're dead. She said, no, no, they're gonna burn. We have to take them out before they burn. And she ran into the car that was burning, and she rescued the two Israelis who were, who were murdered already just for them not to burn, and she just lay them on the street. This is what my wife was doing together with 7,000 volunteers of United Hatzalah. We saw it in our own eyes how hundreds of people were laying there everywhere. And you know what? The volunteers, the reason they come there so quick is because they're situated everywhere. We train people to be ready for these kind of things. We never thought it will ever, ever meet something like a Holocaust in our, our lives. We only saw this in museums, but to see volunteers like our volunteers wearing bulletproof vests and helmets, running with oxygen tanks and defibrillators and rescuing people under fire. Unfortunately, we also had volunteers of ours, like you said, some of ours, every Israeli knows someone who was either killed, I would say murdered or kidnapped or, or, or injured. And we have in United Atzala two volunteers who gave their life two volunteers who were murdered while they were saving people. One of them was actually not Jewish. One of them was an Arab volunteer from Nazareth. You all know where Nazareth is. You for sure know yeah. where Nazareth is. This volunteer, Awad, he went into the fire to save people, and he was a paramedic, and, and, the, and the terrorists caught him. They literally destroyed his body. We couldn't even recognize him when we found him. Ellie, it's unimaginable, and I want you to know that I think overwhelmingly the people of the United States are in strong and unified support for the people of Israel, for the government of Israel to do whatever it takes to eradicate Hamas. We all saw the uh, very moving moments in which President Biden came, and he uh, gave you a big hug. I saw that on video, and I thought, you know, there's Ellie, my friend. He's uh, he's being acknowledged by the President of the United States, whose comments have been most welcome as that of Secretary Blinken. I want to say, my friend, we pray for you. We pray for your safety, your peace. And above all, Ellie, we pray for your peace of mind, that you will be able to deal with the horrors that you have witnessed and know that the people of the world stand with you and with Israel. God bless you, my friend, and do take care. I really hope that in the next few weeks, we will get finished with these people, and these pe um, Israel will go back to peace. We all pray for that. Thank you, Ellie. Thanks to Ellie Beer for joining us and taking us behind the scenes of life-saving efforts for Israeli residents. To follow the great work that these volunteers of United Hatzfalah do, please go to Huckabee.tv and follow the links. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to volunteer up some great information about our next guest. Keith? Well, don't go away. Former Senator Scott Brown is here, and he asked Trey if he could jam with the band. We're looking for adventure and whatever comes our way.
Tv and get your very own Made in the USA Huckabee mugs, t-shirts, and more. And welcome back. Scott Brown is the former Massachusetts senator and U.S. ambassador to New Zealand and Samoa. By the way, that's where our musical guests for tonight's show are from, and that's kind of cool that he would be here tonight. But he's also the front man of the rock band Scott Brown and the Diplomats. How cool is that? <laughs> and when he's not out rocking these days, he's busy coaching basketball, cross country, and track. He even takes on triathlons just for fun. But that's not all. He's been playing host to White House hopefuls in his backyard barbecue series where candidates share their stump speeches and answer voter questions. Scott Brown is here with us tonight to answer some of the questions that we've got for him. Please welcome Ambassador Scott Brown. Thank Great you. to have you. Good, good to nice see you. to see you. Good to see you. You've had quite the exciting life being a senator and ambassador, but one of the things I, I find fascinating, I know you did this in 2016 as well, at your home in New Hampshire, first in the nation primary, you invite every presidential candidate to come to your backyard. There's barbecue. There's opportunity to visit with the candidates. And most all of them show up. Well, everyone has shown up, actually. Uh, it's interesting when you say exciting life. Uh, I thought you were talking about you <laughs> because, uh, obviously, governor, presidential candidate, talk show host. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so listen. One of these days I'll find a job I can actually <laughs> stick with, you know. Well, it, it was historic. We did it in 16, and we had 16 of the 18 presidential candidates. And the last one being President Trump, it was 3,000 people in the snowstorm. Wow. And uh, it was really amazing. And uh, this year, after I got back from serving as the ambassador for four years under President Trump, I was the longest-serving ambassador behind Israel. Hmm. Uh, I said, you know, we got to do it again because the country's upside down right now. Yeah. We, we need to hear from everybody. And, and you, you people here in the audience and people listening, obviously, yeah, first in the nation. This is, and Joe Biden, by the way, is not coming. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Well, he might not know that he was there, yeah, yeah. so it's okay. Yeah, I mean, he's completely disrespecting the process. The DNC has obviously manipulated everything. That's why RFK Jr., who you had on, did a nice yeah. interview uh, we had 2,000 people, by the way, wow. for RFK Jr. Yeah. So we've had everybody, and they do come, and, and they're all un, undeclared voters. They're, they don't know where they're going uh, because they're concerned about President Trump and what he's going through right now, and they're saying, do we want somebody who's going to talk and be fighting what happened before, you know, not only in court, but, you yeah. know, obviously in, in the poll, uh, no, public opinion, or do they want somebody new and fresh who's going to move forward and talk about the very real problems that we have that this administration is, has begun? So <laughs> what are people talking about? Because, I mean, you have a unique yeah. kind of venue, and I don't know of anywhere else in the country, and it's important because New Hampshire really does, along with Iowa, filter through the candidates. And, you know, one of the things most people don't understand, it's a very great service to the country that Iowa and New Hampshire have these yeah. early state efforts because nobody in these states are impressed that somebody's running for president. Right. You know, and, and they ask tough questions. And if they don't get a good answer, they follow up 
way better than the press does. The thing in New Hampshire is, hey, listen, what do you think about Governor Burgum? Well, listen, he's a great guy. He's this, he's that. He's done an amazing job. But, you know, I got to meet him five or six more times. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. You ran in New Hampshire. Oh, it's They love tough. you in New Hampshire. But but you're right. You got to meet somebody. You got to go to their home. Go to their home. Four or five their, times. Go, go you know? see their daughter's soccer game. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. But what are they talking about? Uh, listen, very obviously, the disaster of this administration, yeah. high inflation, obviously, the lack of border security. Now, we have a northern border, and it's the same type of border. People are coming in there as well. The fentanyl crisis. And then what happened in Ukraine by, you know, the Biden administration not putting their foot down and basically giving a quasi green light. Ah, go ahead. Just take a little bit. And, you know, on and on and on the uh, cost of energy, the lack of energy independence, what they're doing in our schools with the whole woke agenda, the things that you reference in your monologue. Yeah. Listen, the country is upside down. I have to disagree with your monologue a little bit in that I'm a glass half full person. Yeah. I mean, my mom and dad were married and divorced four times each. Mm. I'm, 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 an assault, I'm a sexual abuse survivor. Mm. And um, I was arrested at 12 years old. Mm. Okay. And uh, I've always believed in God. I've always been faithful. And I've always known that there's always something better. So even though, yes, the country's a little upside down, folks, right now, I believe that the, the, the power of God, the power of our families and our friends is going to pull this country up. And, and really just put us on a better track. I want you to be right. I really, truly do. I want you to be right. I, I think what hurts me is when I see the generation under us, the one that's coming up to be leaders, that are not appalled by the atrocities of Hamas, and they act like that, well, it's justified. And so as your tenure as an ambassador, what were people's thoughts toward the United States you were in New Zealand, which is a long way from here. But it does matter what other nations think and how they view us. What was your experience there? Well, I had uh, New Zealand, Cook, Niue, and Samoa in our interest in Antarctica. As I said, I was the first one in the ASEAN region, obviously with all the Pacific Island nations and then what's happening in the Indo-Pacific. President Trump, respectfully, whether you like him or not, in the ASEAN region, he was very well respected because he was pushing back against China. Now, the big difference now, and I was just in Rome, I was in Rome and uh, in, in Florence and in, in, in Pisa with a former ambassador to New Zealand and other ambassadors. We were kind of catching up. And now people are saying, like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, you know, respectfully, I know Joe Biden, you know Joe Biden. You know, I, I, I want him to do well because he's the president of the United States. Sure. But he's not. Yeah. And as a result of that, our country's not doing well. Uh, our foes don't fear us. Our allies don't trust us. And, you know, respectfully, uh, it, I feel badly when I see him stumbling and bumbling and falling upstairs and going out the wrong doors. I mean, we've all seen it. And, and you know, God help us. We need to obviously go in a new and better direction immediately. I'm glad you're doing the candidate vetting that you're doing in New Hampshire, and I'm really glad to have you here. Uh, by the way, the ambassador and I, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get ready to play a little music because, you know, to be more optimistic about the world... We're going to have some fun tonight. Now, Keith Bilbrey, will you tell our audience how to find out more about Scott and his music as well as the other things he's got going on? You, go, Governor. you got it, Governor. Thanks to Scott Brown for being with us. Follow him on social media. Just go to Huckabee.tv and we'll connect you. Now, Steppenwolf right on up and head out on the highway with Governor and the one and only Scott Brown.
Well, that was a lot of fun. Our thanks to Scott Brown of the best band on earth. Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Give them a big hand. And by the way, you can watch the entire performance online of Born to be Wild. Just go to Huckabee.tv. And if you follow the links, you will get to see the whole thing. Well, Gary Mule Deer has enjoyed a six-decade career as both a great stand-up comic and a musician, recently inducted into the Grand Old Opry. A documentary about him is now streaming. It's called Show Business is My Life, But I Can't Prove It. Here to try to prove it to us, would you please welcome a very popular act at the Grand Ole Opry and here at this theater, Gary Muldeer. Thank you. Just out walking around the parking lot. It's windy out there. The taste. Uh A couple of months ago, there was a knock at the door. I answered it. It was two Jehovah's Witnesses. I invited them in. We sat down on the couch. I said, well, what do you want to talk about? They said, we don't know. We've never made it this far before. <laughs> Let it out, folks. Doesn't get any better. There we go. My grandpa used to say, listen, if we all like the same things, everybody would be after your grandma. <laughs> grandpa used to say some weird things. One time I said, Grandpa, what's the quickest way to get to the lake? He said, you're walking or driving? I said, I'm driving. He said, that's the quickest. <laughs> I made fun of Grandpa. Actually, he was pretty successful. He was a veterinarian and a taxidermist. I remember the sign said, no matter what happens, you'll get your dog back. <laughs> there we go. Grandpa really hated grandma's cooking. He said it got so bad there for a while, all the flies chipped in and got the screen door fixed. <laughs> you guys are all right. Want to go to Denny's later? I took grandpa to Denny's one time. The coffee was cold. The eggs were runny. Hash browns were soggy. The toast was burned. As we were leaving, Grandpa turned to the cashier and he said, my compliments to the photographer. <laughs> you know, I think I have politics all figured out. Tell me what you think. My son was flunking out of college. He said, I'm going to choose a woman for you to marry. He said, no. I said, she's Bill Gates' daughter. He said, okay. <laughs> I called Bill Gates. I want your daughter to marry my son. He said, no. I said, he's the CEO of World Bank. He said, okay. I called the president of World Bank. So why don't you make my son the CEO? He said, no. I said, he's Bill Gates' son-in-law. He said, okay. <laughs> so this lady's coming out of heart surgery. She sees God standing at the foot of the bed. She said, am I going to die? God said, no, you have 30 more years. She feels so good, she stays in the hospital. She gets liposuction, gets her breasts enhanced, her neck pulled up an eyebrow lift, her nose fixed, and collagen in her lips. As she's walking out of the hospital, she gets hit by an ambulance. <laughs> Two days later, she's standing in heaven. She runs into God. She said, I thought I had 30 more years. God said, I'm sorry, I didn't recognize you. 
I'm one year older than Bugs Bunny and four years younger than Porky Pig, so I can tell a few senior jokes. That's, uh, Harriet and Harvey were married for 65 years. They fought every day of their lives. Harriet passes away. She's standing at the gates of heaven. St. Peter said, Harriet, nice to see you. Only one thing you have to do before you come in. She said, what's that? He said, you have to spell the word. She said, what is it? He said, love. She says, L-O-V-E. He says, come on in, Harriet. Harriet steps through the gates. St. Peter said, Harriet, I've been standing here all the day. I really need to go to the restroom. We watch the gates. She said, I just got here. She didn't know what to do. St. Peter walks away. Harriet turns around, and there's Harvey. He said, Harvey, what are you doing here? Harvey said, Harriet, it felt so bad after the services today. I just went home and laid down and died. He said, well, Harvey, only one thing you have to do before you come in. He said, what's that? She said, you have to spell a word. He said, what is it? She said, Czechoslovakia. So this, this old lady calls 911, the sheriff shows up. He says, what's wrong? She said, my neighbor next door, the curtains are wide open. He's been running back and forth for an hour and a half naked, not a stitch on. Sheriff looks out the window and says, I don't see anything. She says, no, no, you have to climb up on the dresser and look in the skylight. <laughs> Guy walks into a surgery center and the receptionist says, what do you got? He said, shingles. She said, sit over there and fill out this form. This lady will come and get you. Nurse takes him in the room and says, what do you got? He said, shingles. She said, okay, take off all your clothes except for your underwear. I'll start up an electric cardiogram for you and do some blood work. Doctor will be right in to see you. Doctor comes in and says, what's the problem? Guy says, shingles. The doctor said, where? Guy said, out in the truck. Where do you want to put them? <laughs> you like those guys? Band is really liking these over here, okay? Yeah. So... This old guy's getting his physical and he's getting dressed. The doctor pulls the wife to the side and says, I'll tell you what, the only way he's going to have a chance every morning, fix him a nice, healthy breakfast, make sure that in the evening he has a nice, nutritious dinner. Also make sure that he has no household chores whatsoever. And from now on, make sure the house is spotless and germ-free. As they're walking out of the place, the guy turns to his wife and says, what did the doctor say? And she said, you're going to die. You guys want to see me on my own television show this coming fall on CBS, Friday nights at 8.30, write him a letter. <laughs> I don't know how much time I've got up here, how much time I have left. Wrap it up. This is my favorite joke. Lady walks by a pair, he walks by a, excuse me, let's try that again. Lady walks by a, a pet store, sees a gorgeous parrot. She goes in and says, how much for that parrot? Guy says, $20. She said, $20? What's wrong with it? He says, nothing wrong with it. She said, well, He's got to be all that plumage. She said, I'll have to warn you, it was raised in a brothel. She said, okay, for $20, I'll take my chances. Takes the parrot home, hangs it in the front room, goes in to fill the water dish, comes back out. The parrot goes, ooh, pretty lady, pretty lady. Her daughters walk in. The parrot goes, ooh, pretty girls, pretty girls. About that time her husband walks in, the parrot says, hey, Kevin. <laughs> you guys have been great. Thank you. I went a little over. <laughs> Wait, don't go away. Oh. Come on over, Gary. I want you to tell us about the documentary that's coming up with oh, you. I got a documentary. It's called Show Business is My Life, but I can't prove it. And it's showing now on Amazon, and it's going to be exclusively on DVD at the, at the Opera Shop for November, December. It's got everybody from Steve Martin, and it's got also Jay Leno. It's got wow. Conan O'Brien. It's got Alice Cooper. It's got Vincent Amy Grant. It's Why aren't you on it? 
I don't know, but <laughs> let me tell you something. I, I want to see it right, right now. Yeah. You've just named some of the greatest names in entertainment today. Show business is my life, but I can't prove it. Look for it on Amazon. That's where it is. That's what I'll be doing. All right. If you want to see more of Gary Mule Deer, including his movie, or book him for your event, if you visit Huckabee.tv, we'll get you connected. Right now, speaking of connections, Keith Bildery is going to connect you with what we've got coming up next on the show. Well, after the break, the president and CEO of Samaritan's Purse, Franklin Graham, is with us. And later, the Katinas perform one of my favorite hymns, Don't Go Away. As the Israeli people continue to fight for their lives, Samaritan's Purse is right next to them, offering aid, support, and the love of Christ in the midst of these troubling and uncertain times. Continue to keep our brothers and sisters in Israel in your prayers and give to Samaritan's Purse today so they can continue to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in Israel. Visit their website or call them today. Thanks and God bless. Well, earlier today, I had the opportunity to speak to Franklin Graham, the CEO of Samaritan's Purse, also the president of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, which his father started in 1950. Spreading the word of God, Franklin Graham is taking his praise festivals all over the world, with events this fall already having taken place in England, Germany, Vietnam, and Mexico. Here's the conversation with Franklin Graham. Franklin, the uh, success of the Crusades around the world have been uh, astounding, and you've had phenomenal crowds and great results. What are you seeing that gives you reason to believe that uh, there's a hunger for spiritual awakening? Well, um, I think the, the crisis in the world today, the, especially in Europe, if you take the war in Europe, uh, this is the first uh, crisis they've had really since the Second World War, which you see in Ukraine. Uh, and now to to see, of course, Europe. You take Germany; the the economy is not doing well. Uh, they've got they've had a lot of problems this past year. And I was just there in, uh, preaching in Essen, and and it was the first time they've had anything in thirty years evangelistically, and and the churches did not think there would be success. And the hall that we were in was the same place my father was thirty years ago. Elvis Presley played there. The Beatles played there. But it's still the only hall in that part of northern Germany called the Guga Hall in, in uh, Essen. It was packed. Every seat was full. Overflow was full. And we turned people away. And we still had protesters. We had the, the people uh, waving the rainbow flag and, and uh, trying to... Uh, persuade people not to come. But it seemed like the more they waved the flag, uh, uh, the more the people came. And at the invitation, there was close to 900 people that made decisions for Christ. Wow. And I, I, can't, I can't explain it other than there is a hunger for the gospel. And, there, and the gospel has not been preached like this uh, in many, many years. So I'm, I'll be in Rome next week. And the same thing, that's the first time that the evangelical churches have have come together uh, to support something like this. They ne they, my father never preached there. Uh, the churches just would not come together. But now they're coming together, and uh, there's a hunger. Uh, we, 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 we know the hall 
Uh, we see it about 9,000. We've already got 700 people or 7,000 people that have registered uh, for seats to get a ticket to come in. And so uh, I think it's going to be full. It's going to be overflow again uh, there in Rome. Uh, people want to know. Uh, they're, they're afraid. They see the storm clouds on the horizon, and they want to know, is there hope? Is there hope for today? Is there hope for the future? And, of course, uh, Governor, I believe uh, that hope is found in Jesus Christ. And when you when you present the gospel that Jesus Christ came, that he died and shed his blood for our sins, he took our sins on the cross, and he, he was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. And you ask people to put their faith and trust in him, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, the God. The, you know, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. There's Holy Spirit-filled power in that message. And uh, when you just give the gospel and, and invite people, put their faith and trust in Christ, at that moment, the Holy Spirit takes over. And he's the one who convicts people of sin. Give us just a brief overview of what's happening on the ground in Israel and how Samaritan's Purse is ministering to these folks. Samaritan's Purse, we've provided uh, food vouchers uh, to these people. We've provided food boxes, also uh, hygiene boxes uh, that, that contains various hygiene items, so forth, uh, like diapers for children. Uh, and we have been working uh, through about uh, 30 different churches uh, in Israel. Uh, we're also working with uh, evangelical churches in uh, the West Bank and uh, and also in Gaza. There, there are a few churches in Gaza, and, uh, Governor, they have suffered under Hamas over the years. We've, we've had to be very careful how we do this, but we are able to get money uh, through the banking system uh, into Gaza that helps the, these churches. So, uh, we're doing what we can. Uh, of course, there's a war going on. It, this, this stuff is a very fluid. Uh, it changes by by the hour, by the day. So uh, we, we're going to continue to work as long as we can, Governor, and we do it always in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will ask all of our viewers to continue to pray for not only the crusades that are going on across the world, but also for the work that Samaritan's Purse is doing uh, to relieve the suffering of so many people. Franklin, great to see you. Thank you for joining us and giving us the update. Thank you, Governor. Always good to be with you. To learn more about the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and the outreach that they do all over the world, go to Huckabee.tv. Just simply follow the links. These outreach programs, they need your support and prayers in some very difficult times. So on behalf of Franklin Graham and the ministry of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, thank you and God bless. Keith Bilbrey, you know what? I know we've got some really special music coming up. Would you tell us about it right now? Well, you're going to love this, Governor. Up next, a special rendition of How Great Thou Art by the Katinas. Just around the band, so stay with us. on the show, Breitbart Editor-in-Chief Alex Marlowe talks about his new book on the Biden family. And don't miss the sweet Southern harmonies of Chapel Heart.
Welcome back. You know, I'm always happy when the Katinas return to the show. Because ever since they were kids in American Samoa, they have been spreading some great music and messages of love, hope, and faith all over the world. Their fantastic new digital album is called The Hymns. And they're currently on their family Christmas with the Katinas tour. Would you please welcome back to the show, the Katinas. <laughs> Great having you guys here. Appreciate it. I know you're going to do some music for us, but I want you to tell us, because there's a documentary that you've got going. Tell us about what that is and when, how we can see it. Well, thank you. It's always good to be with you, Governor. Uh, Love God, Love Pete was the title of this 90-minute documentary. Uh, it's, it's been several years in the making, and it's basically... Uh, our, our mom used to say, man, when, before you go out, uh, she would remind us to love God and love people. Mm. A lot of times it's a lot easier to love God than it is people. <laughs> yeah, uh, I found that true. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, but it's definitely a, a, our journey of 30 years of doing music mm. together as brothers, the ups and downs, and through it all, through the brokenness, through the times of celebration, we've learned to love God and love people. Mm. How do people get to see it? Absolutely. November 6th will be a... Uh, uh, a screening, so to speak, a premiere, and you can go to thekatinas.com and purchase your tickets there, and we can't wait for people to see our story. I can't wait to see it either, but I can't wait to hear you do the music, which Thank is you. why you're here tonight. <laughs> hey, Keith, while the guys get ready, would you tell our viewers how they can hear more from the Katinas and remind them how to watch the upcoming movie? For a special online VIP screening of their new film, Love God, Love People, on November 6th, and to get tickets to their family Christmas tour, go to Huckabee.tv. Now, performing How Great Thou Art with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, here are the Katinas! <laughs> Then all the 
with shouts of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart hey. then I shall Oh.